Keep that passage open in your Bibles, if you would, 1 John 4, 7. We're coming back to that in just a moment as we look at really what is on the Lord's heart, His purpose. We know Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And every other passage that has something to do with His coming, like He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, or He came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. All those other passages that talk about His coming point back to that purpose. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. And now, there are people in this place who really don't know God. You may be a part of that lost bunch. There are a lot of other people in this place that do know God. God knows them and God lives in them as the passage in 1 John uh, talked about. You know the creator and sustainer of the universe in a very real and personal way. That's an amazing thing if you stop to just consider how God wants us to know Him in a personal love relationship. And so as we think about what's on His heart, we've been talking about one purpose. And on His heart was how He has, has supernaturally orchestrated divine appointments among us all the time with our oikos, with people we come in contact with, with our household, with our friends, our neighbors, everybody. We looked at the story of Peter and Cornelius and how God was working on both ends. And then last week we looked at meaningful worship and how God has prepared us to um, reach our world through first and foremost worshiping Him. Today we look at meaningful relationships. And I want a little help here. I want you to fill in the blank uh, to start with. It's not a blank on your bulletin. There are blanks there we're going to cover in just a moment. But it's a, a very familiar phrase. And lots of times we think about it in regards to um, job acquisition or a recommendation for some position. It, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's who you know. Well, what we mean by that is People who know you know your character and they know your work ethic and, and they know um, your skills and, and your knowledge and your background and all those things. And I've never gotten a job that someone didn't recommend me at some level. Have you? We all. It's not, it's not what we know. It's who we know. But that works for the Christian life as well. It's not so much how much biblical knowledge we have, although we ought to be increasing in that all the time, so that we know the heart of God, we dig deep into His Word. But it's not so much the knowledge that we know, and we'll look at it in just a, a bit, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, but it's who we know. Do we know God through Jesus? And that's what I want you to consider today as we talk about these, these meaningful relationships. To put it another way, uh, I don't know, I'm probably going to tell my age here in probably my kind of genre of music I used to listen to in the 90s. Anybody remember the 90s? And that, and I'm not, I go way back before the 90s, but there's a group called Point of Grace who used to sing this song more than anything. He said, God loves people more than anything. God loves people more than anything. More than anything He wants them to know. He'd rather die than let them go. 
God loves people more than anything. It's all about relationships. God wants us to connect to people because that's what's on His heart. That's His purpose. That's why He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He loves you. And He loves me. And Sometimes when I consider that and I know what I've done and what I've thought and who I am, I'm just amazed at His glorious, amazing grace. And He loves me. He knows everything about me and He loves me anyway. That's a miracle. If you knew me, you'd know how great a miracle that was. If you know me in, in any shape or form. And so when we talk about this, another way to put it is this. Let's, let's just consider for just a moment your priorities in life. And a, a lot of that can be seen. And let's just say there's a, a natural disaster in our area. I know it, it didn't rain that much around here to flood. But let's just say a, a tornado came through here or, and you saw it coming and you had a little advance warning or, or your house caught on fire and you know it. You knew you couldn't save the house, but you wanted to gather a few things and put them in a, a small suitcase or in the trunk of your car. What would be in your trunk? What would be so important that you would want to save those things? Now, we're talking about the priorities of life, and we know that relationships are a lot more important than property and possessions. And, and if there's something that we want to give our time and energy and resources to something that's more valuable than relationships the people in our lives what is it what would we possibly put in our trunk that's more important than the ones we love than the people in our spheres we want to make them priority and so when we, we think about when we gather on a weekend service and, and we worship corporately, when we prepare corporately, we shouldn't ask, well, whether we're, not, whether we're coming to church or not or life group or not. I know a lot of folks in this place don't necessarily go to life group. You ought to. We have great and wonderful teachers. And, and that's where life gets done, really. You're going to apply the scriptures there. That's where where wisdom takes place. Now here, I'm going to say something that's really hard for me to say because I love to preach to this group every week. But if you're going to just give us one hour, you give us the life group hour and you forget about the preaching hour. Did you hear me? Because that is where we grow together. And that's where the application, and by the way, we... We do this thing where we align things up and we're covering the same scripture in the, in the worship time as we do in the life group time. And I, that's putting a, a lot of pressure on our teachers, but that, not really because they're already preparing every week. And what that means is that we're gathering together as people of God and diving into the Word together so that we know not just the facts, but how the facts affect life. So that we don't just know information. But we know how that information transforms us. That's why this book was given. Not so that we wouldn't just have more information about God. But so that you and I could know how God wants to change you and me. Into the image of his son. And so when we, we think about these relationships together... Uh, we, we've got to make that 
priority. Because here's what happens in America. Tell me if I'm wrong. When I was growing up as a kid, it seemed like everybody at least belonged to a church. They might not go all the time, but, but we used to have perfect attendance pins. I can remember having, I don't have it any longer, but I, a couple of, of years I had a perfect attendance pin in Sunday school. I didn't miss a single Sunday for the whole year. You want to give me a, some applause for that? No, that's not what I'm looking for. I knew you were going to do that, Coach Taylor. That was very important. One, we didn't have money to go anywhere else but church on Sunday. You hear me? That's one of the things that's killed us. But two, it, it, it's not the priority today that it was then. There's so many other things that distract us from gathering together corporately, from gathering together in life groups than there was. And we as Americans do church today as a hobby. Because we do God as a hobby. If we don't have anything better to do, oh yeah, we might show up there on Sunday. Yeah, I want to go see those people. They're, they're fun people. They're nice people. They're friendly. I, I think I'll go this week. Or I'll, I'll not go. If I don't have anything better to do or I don't have any other plans to go out of town, then I'm going to be there Sunday. Do you, you hear what I say? It's just a hobby. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to make Him priority. Number one. And there are all sorts of benefits of that we're going to get to in, in just a moment. But as we think about what's most important in life, what's, what's in that trunk or what's in that suitcase or what's in that, that box, there was a guy who came to Jesus with questions, an expert in the law, kind of a lawyer type, and said to him, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments? And in Matthew 22, about verse 37 through the end of of verse 40 is that passage. Check me up on that if you would. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And it talks about the greatest commandment there. And Jesus says to him, the greatest commandment, the, the greatest commandment in the law of Moses is this. What's it start with? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it. He links the two. Very important, I think. The second is like it. Love your what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That doesn't mean the person just next to you. That means the person, Jesus defines that in the story of the Good Samaritan, the person who's in need. Love your neighbor. Love somebody else. Love others like you love yourself. Well, if we did that, we'd be on mission with God. We'd be in fulfilling His purpose. We'd fulfill, be fulfilling the Great Commission. I know that. If we just love we just open up our hearts and our minds to loving God and loving people. And that's what we're all about, want to be all about. And so we're going to talk about how we do that. And we're going to talk about it from this passage. Would you walk with me? Just some of the benefits. Because here's what I have to answer. What, what's the big deal about these relationships? Because really, they're a lot of bother, aren't they? <laughs> relationships are hard. They take energy. They take time. They take resources. But folks... If we're not investing in relationships, why are we living? Because God has this plan to reach all of us through other, other people. And you and I have been reached through relationships. And he wants to reach other people. And he wants you to uh, disciple your kids. And he, he wants you to, to help your brothers and your sisters and your, your parents. And he wants you to invest in relate that's the most important word in the English language apart 
from proper nouns, apart from Jesus and, and God and those things, because that's where everything valuable takes place. The book of 1 John is written so that we see authentic Christianity. And John says, here's what a real Christian looks like. It's someone who loves. And you can't do that apart from the vehicle of meaningful relationships. You can't demonstrate love outside of connections that you have. And so think about those as we think about these things. Because here is the benefit of those things. Not the benefit completely yet, but really what? Why we do that, okay? And then we're going to get to the benefit. Hang with me. First of all, we, we love other people because loving others assures us that we're in the family of God. If you look at the verses, you see uh, verse 7 says, Dear friends, actually your version may say, Beloved, John is the beloved disciple. He knows a little bit about love. He's probably the closest disciple to Jesus himself. And he says, Let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. It was all his idea. He's the source of all of this. And you can't love until you've experienced his love. You don't have the resources to love until you know you're loved. One of the basic human needs we have is love and acceptance. You know why does God love you and accept you? It's because of his character, not yours. It's because he is love. And because he unconditionally, sacrificially loves you, you and I can love one another. And it assures us that we're part of the family. Look what it says. And anyone who loves is a child of God or born of God. That's what Jesus says in John 3 when he talks to Nicodemus. He says you must be born again. It's a different kind of birth. It's a spiritual birth. And you're you're part of the family of God, and you're assured of that when you love other folks and you know God. You're a child of God, and you know God. You have a personal relationship. Verse 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So you want to know that you're in that you're in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. A key element to that, a key assurance of that is you love. Now, what's that look like? Well, for us right now, it's, it looks like me learning how to take care of my wife when she's been taking care of me for 28 years. She broke her fibula. So many of you know that. She's doing great. Thanks for asking about all that. But, but for me, the roles are or reversed, and I'm not really good at it, but I'm learning. That's love. It's doing things that you don't want to do, but you do because you know the people that you love need those things done. It's caring about friends enough to, to encourage and support and call. It's, it's caring about people enough like many of you are about us, taking a meal when there's a, a need. I, I'm thinking... Jennifer, could you break your tibia next year? Because all these meals are wonderful that people are bringing us. I'm kidding, of course. But thank you. And, and so when you do those kind of acts of service, then you're loving other people and you're part of the family of God. That gives us this great assurance. Verse 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love, 
Not that we love God, but that He showed us that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, God did something to show us His love for us. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to be a your version may say propitiation. I love that word. We've said that word in here before. Propitiation for our sin. An atoning sacrifice. What it means is Jesus took your place on the cross. It's the great exchange. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We get his righteousness. He gets our sin. You're never going to get a better deal than that. And God sent Jesus to be that atoning sacrifice for us so that, here's his plan, so that we can be a part of his family, his kingdom. And we have that assurance that we are when we love. Now, look at the next thing I want you to see down in verse 11. Loving others enhances our witness. Verse 11 says this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. And verse 12 says, No, no one's ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us or it's complete or perfected in us. See, we don't see God, but people see God in us. Know how they see God in us? When we love. God God has got this plan that if we'll love people, then the witnessing part will take care of itself. We'll have an open door. People want to know why we're doing what we're doing if we serve and love them. And and then as we look a little further down, it it says it specifically, and God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. And furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes John talking about Jesus here himself and testify that God sent his son to be the savior of the world that's what his testimony is that's what our testimony is that Jesus is the savior and all who declare that's the witness that Jesus is the son of God has God living in them and they live in God that's the connection the relationship we have with God as we declare who Jesus is the son of God the one who took our place on the cross and we know how much God loves us I love the way the New Living translates this, and we put our trust in His love. You done that? You put your trust in the fact that God loves you no matter how good you've been or how bad you've been, that nothing's going to enhance His love for you because it comes from who He is. And so we think about how loving others enhances that, and how loving, this is, I love this part, loving others prepares us for judgment day. Now that's a good thing to be prepared for, would you think? Well, don't you think all of us want to know? The scripture says it is appointed for a man to die once, and then to face the judgment, that's going to happen for every one of us. Every one of us, if Jesus doesn't come first, is going to die, and then we're going to stand before the judge, Jesus himself. But here's the good news, we can stand before him in confidence. And the way we stand before him in confidence is that we live like he lived on earth, loving people. Do you hear me? If you live like Jesus 
and you love people, then you can stand before him on judgment day and say, I claim what you've done for me, Jesus, in loving me. And, and I've done what I could do as you empowered me by your spirit to live like you lived, loving people. And so as we think about the confidence in verse 7 and it says at the day of judgment, we also think about we don't have to live this life in fear of that judgment because perfect love, when we know how great, high, deep, long, wide, wonderful, mighty God's love is for us. And that perfect love casts out, expels any kind of fear of any kind of punishment we might face. See, there's a way to skip that punitive judgment. And it's through claiming what Jesus did for us on the cross. I'm skipping it. You going with me? I don't want to face that kind of wrath. And the only way we can escape that wrath is accept what Jesus has done for us in taking that wrath as a propitiation, as an atoning sacrifice, as a substitution for you and me. And so we can skip that judgment. Loving others prepares us for that judgment day. And finally, verses 19 through 21 tells us that we can experience and extend God's love by loving others. And that, that's a that's what we've been talking about all along. We love each other because he, he loved us first. That's where it all got started. If someone says, just strong language, is it not? Someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer or a brother. John says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that person is a, what? A liar. Say, liar. Liar. That's what it is. You can't love God and not love people. It's that simple. Now, there's some people in this world that you and I know are hard to love, right? God hadn't asked us to like everybody, okay? And like all their actions and what they do. God has asked us to do what he's done for us, to care enough about them, to love them. And wouldn't it be great if God got a hold of them and God transformed them, their lives? And as he does that, he'll transform your life and my life because we know we're not there yet. He's still in process with us. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. So let's talk about the, these benefits of of, of loving, and that this is where your outline starts. This is where the sermon starts. No, I'm just kidding. These are kind of the wrap-up, okay? Let's just talk about these personal benefits. Fill that in on your outline if you want to. To being involved in it. Because here's what I think in a life group. We, we know that the best place to love is in a family. God established that first and foremost. But we also know that everybody doesn't have a family to love, or they're, they're not close enough to to practice all these. Some of folks are, are transplanted, and so we, we've got to think about the way that we do that in the family of God. And then we look at the, the number of folks. There are a couple of hundred people here today, and so we think about how in the world can we love a couple of I don't have enough time. And so the good news is you don't have to love a couple of hundred in here. You find a group, a life group, to get invested in that you can love. Or 
I, I think about this sometimes. I think maybe there's a retired teacher's group that sits in the back of the, of the, of the sanctuary right there that, that just, they, maybe they meet on a regular basis, maybe they don't, or maybe they could form a life group. I'm not going to look at them, but they know who they are right there in the, in the middle. And there are groups, possible groups all over this place. If you can't find a life group, and we have a lot of good ones, again, I say that, then, then start another one. And we'll help you do that. Because everybody needs to do life together. Here's why. Because the first thing is this. Here's the personal benefits. The personal joy happens in friendships. Personal joy that friendships and friendships really alone can provide. That's, the, that's a couple of blanks there. So here's what we're looking at here. One of our core values or my core values is this, this place, it ought to be fun. It ought to be enjoyable. My best friends have all come from within the church at some point. Some of you are them. And I think about those, those friends that I have among you. It's because of what Jesus has done for us, but it's also because we, we're involved in one another's lives. In fact, I wouldn't be here were it not for the people of God who took an interest in other people and were part of a, a life group. Because my mother and my father were introduced by my mother's pastor who had been my father's pastor in another place. So Kyle wouldn't even be here if there weren't for people who did life together. And the personal benefits are a personal joy and the, that friendship provides. Look at what uh, Acts 2 47 says, in the early church, they were worshiping and investing in one another day to day, and they shared meals together with joy and generosity. And verse 47 says, all the while praising God and maybe underline that in your Bibles, and, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You see what was happening? They were having fun together. And God added people to that fun. Because you know what? Joy is attractive. Joy is winsome. Uh, joy, as we look at what, what's going on here, is magnetic. We're attracted to people who have fun, are we not? You know what? The opposite of that is true as well. Grumpiness is repulsive. Don't look around. And we want to be a place of great joy. And we want to laugh and kid and share in one another's lives. And no, none of us are perfect. But we serve a perfect God where anything's possible. And so we, we understand that it's enjoyable. The second thing I want you to see is this practical direction that wisdom, wisdom provides. And, and this is what Paul writes about in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, the information, the knowledge, but our lives too. Wisdom. The difference between knowledge and wisdom, knowledge, you just know stuff. You have information in your head. You can gain knowledge all by yourself. Hey, we have Google. Who needs an encyclopedia? We can know pretty much anything we need to know at just a, a glance. But that doesn't mean we'll be wise because wise or wisdom is the 
the application of knowledge. Wisdom is the processing of knowledge to make productive lives. And it may be wise to learn from your own mistakes. It is. But you know what's even wiser? You know what true wisdom is? Learning from other people's mistakes. You don't have time to make all the mistakes in parenting or marriage or whatever, but you can learn from other people's, and that happens in life group. That happens in church. We gain from one another as we apply the Scripture. Not only are we hearers of the Word, but we're doers of what God calls us to do. And, and that makes this place helpful. A long time ago, I, I used to try to preach a great sermon better the next week than the week before. And I took a um, seminar with a guy named Joel Gregory. He used to be pastor of First Baptist Dallas. He's a wonderful man. But he said, hey, Kyle, quit trying to hit a home run every week, trying to do better than you did last week. Just, just get on base. Just hit singles. Just preach helpful messages. And that's what I've tried to do from the Word of God since then. Just be helpful, and that's what we want. We want the wisdom of God to take place among us. And the final thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the benefit is that persistent support happens as the team provides it. We're better together. We need each other. Here's what I've experienced, and you have too. You know. Everything that is currently stable in your life either has been or will be tested. Think about that for just a moment. I think I've got a pretty good marriage. I enjoy my spouse. There's been a time or there will be a time when that will be tested. You guys know how much I brag on Jennifer and how great she is, but there was a period of time when we had to go to marriage counseling because of, you know, more me than her. But it still was her, too. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Your kids, they, you love them. They're great. You, they're wonderful. But you know, they're only five now or whatever. They're going to be teenagers one day. And, and they're that relationship's going to be tested. Your job stability, whoa, that's real for a lot of folks in our community. It's tested. Everything that is currently stable, your finances or your health is someday going to be tested. And who's going to be there when it is to encourage and support you? You know. It's us people of God you realize all the things that have developed uh, Christian universities and hospitals all happened because people took the claim of Jesus seriously to love other people to that point when people got sick they just disbanded them but later on people started caring about them and thinking hey why are you doing this we're not related we're doing it because God's called us to love we want to see our world changed. And so when we think about the importance of having a group, I want to ask you, who's in your group? Who, who do you find support from? There's a group of four guys who had this fella, we call him a, the paralytic in, in 
Luke 5. And he can't get to Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that can help. But the only way he's going to get there is through his oikos, his friends, his support. So four guys try to get him to Jesus and they find the passage blocked, but they won't be denied and they lower him down from the roof right in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and his life was changed forever. Now, you have people who cared about you that way. Are you going to care about people that way? Are you going to help? Are you going to help reach out and expand his kingdom and bring him glory? Because it matters. Remember that great theologian? Tina Turner? No. Is she the one that's saying, what's love got to do with it? She's the one, right? Yeah, you didn't know she was a great theologian, did you? What's love got to do with it? I'd say everything. Everything. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this church that loves people. Thank you, Lord, for their acceptance of me and my family. Thank you for of what you're creating in us to help love this community. Lord, we know we're not there. But, Father, we want to be. We want to be more of who you've called us to be, of who you want us to be. Father, we, we know we need your help. We know we need your direction. We know we need your wisdom. I know it's available, Lord, through your people, through your word, through prayer. So help us, Father, to seek you. And Lord, help us to make relationships priority. Over making money, which is going to be gone when we're gone or our kids are going to fight over it. Over just a fulfilling career or, or anything of that nature. Lord, to help us to look at people as the most important thing like you do, Jesus. And help us love them. All sorts of people. And the most unlovable need the most love. Help us. Power of your strong name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you've never experienced God's love today, you can. Let's stand together as we're about to sing. Mighty to save. God loves you so much that he sent his sons to save your soul. Many of you know that already, but maybe some of you don't, and I want you to. I want you to know Him first and foremost and live with Him and Him and you. And now, we think about those of us who do, and and we think about how we can be a part of the chain that continues the next generation of believers, faith, and how we can change the world through what God has given us, the resources, the talents, and the heart, and the love. Who will you love? Who's your one? I'd love for you if you you don't have a purpose or you don't have a church or, or you don't have uh, what uh, we've been talking about in meaningful relationships. You want a place to love and be loved? Maybe this is the place God's leading you to. I invite you. Come and be a part of us. You know the Lord, we welcome you. If you don't know the Lord, we want to introduce you to him. So let's sing together, and you respond as God leads you. I invite you to come.